Praise God. Thank you, Lord. Are you thankful for what God has richly done in your life? And if you are, then we should give him glory. Amen. And praise. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Praise God. I'm thankful to be in the house of God here today. And I'm going to try to do my best here today. I'm not 100%. And if I get too excited, I probably will cough up a lung. And so I'm going to do my best to try to, uh, <laughs> try to do my best here this morning. But I'm glad to be here. Amen. I'm glad to be in the house of God. There's a lot of people not here because the flu is running rampant. And in some places in California, they are seeing a rush on hospitals and what have you. And so if you've had it and you're over it, thank God. And if you're in the middle of it, we're praying that God brings you strength and carries you through it. And uh, for those of us that are feeling a little better here in the house of God today, we are grateful and very, very thankful. Amen. Praise God. Let's get it out of the way, get it over, get it done with. Amen. Praise God. And then, and then 238 will roll around. Everybody gets sick again. I didn't say that. I rebuked that doubt and that negativity in Jesus' name. Amen. Praise God. Luke chapter 6 and verse number 6. I want to try to help somebody here today. Amen. Luke chapter 6 and verse number 6. Jesus, this is uh, right before the Sermon on the Mount. This is in the middle of his ministry. And the Bible says in verse number 6 of Luke chapter 6, and it came to pass also on another Sabbath. Everyone say Sabbath. Sabbath. That he entered into the synagogue and taught. And that word is associated with a particular struggle that's going to take place here. He goes into the synagogue. He's teaching. There was a man whose right hand was withered, and the scribes and the Pharisees watched him whether he would heal on the Sabbath day that they might find an accusation against him. But he knew their thoughts and said to the man which had the withered hand, rise up and stand forth in the midst. And he arose and stood forth then said Jesus unto them, I will ask you one thing. Is it lawful on the Sabbath days to do good or to do evil, to save life or to destroy it? And looking round about upon them all, he said unto the man, Stretch forth thine hand. And he did so. And his hand was restored whole as the other. And they were all filled with madness and commune one with another what they might do to Jesus. Praise God. For a few moments this morning, I want to talk to you about the battles I avoided. The battles I avoided. Praise God. Thank you, Lord. Lord, we thank you for your blessing and your goodness, and we thank you for your word, and we feel your presence in this place, and I pray that you would direct us, amen, that your anointing would help us, encourage us, and that your word would bring strength to us. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. God bless you. you can be seated. <clears throat> this account 
is found in, in three Gospels. It's found in Matthew, Mark, and Luke, the story, this narrative. However, Luke is probably the most robust in its detail. For example, it is only Luke, and as a physician, we would expect Luke to, to point out some things that maybe the other evangelists don't because he was a physician. Luke is the only one that mentions that it is the right hand of the man that has a withered hand. Matthew brings out and discusses just briefly Jesus talking to those that are there in opposition watching him. He discusses a sheep that wanders away from the flock and falls into a pit. And would it not be right for an individual to lift that animal out of its predicament? So Matthew points that out. Mark and Luke have pretty much all of these same elements except for Luke just fleshes out some of the details a little more. And this is why we're taking some time and looking at the book of Luke. Uh, because of his detail. There is a man in the synagogue who has a withered hand. Jesus is coming on the Sabbath day and he's entering into the synagogue to teach. There is opposition here and there are some very principal characters that we find in this passage of Scripture and some components that are addressed in this passage. There is Jesus and his opposition that are waiting to catch him. And when he does this, at the end of this scripture, it says that they were filled with madness. They were upset and they communed with each other how they might trip Jesus up in his ministry and what he was saying. So there is Jesus and the opposition that Jesus faces there is also a man with the withered hand and his opposition because certainly he is also facing some things with his situation, his predicament. Then he gets called out externally. He has to stand up in the midst of these people. Jesus puts him on the spot. And there's also the things that are raging within his own life, things that are internal given his situation. So there's Jesus and his opposition there's a man with the withered hand and his opposition. And then there is the reader and our opposition because we're reading this. And so I want to point out just uh, some of these three particular people and their uh, opposition and the components that are connected here. First of all, there is Jesus who is facing opposition. Jesus is coming and he is coming to testify that there is a breakthrough. The kingdom of God is breaking through. This is one of the reasons why John the Baptist said the kingdom of heaven is at hand and he preached a baptism of repentance. What he was saying is something new is going to take place. Everything prior to this point have been old things. It has been an old law. It has been an old structure which was good and fine for its time. But there is one that is coming and he's going to issue something that is new. It's going to be a kingdom of God that breaks into everything else that we're experiencing. And so the kingdom of heaven is at hand. So John is testifying. He's prophesying. He is saying the one 
that's coming after me is mightier than I, the latchet of whose shoes I'm not worthy to stoop down and unloose. But when he comes, he's going to come with power and he's going to come with authority and there's a new kingdom that's breaking into the kingdoms of this world. Jesus is going to be the primary individual that testifies about that kingdom. Praise God, there is a kingdom that's breaking through. It's greater than the kingdoms of this world. I want to testify to you and tell you it's the same message. That kingdom is still at work in the world today and it's greater than any other kingdom. Praise God, I'm not following the kingdoms of this world, but I'm following after the kingdom of heaven. I know there's politics, but I'm really not interested in the politics. I'm interested in the kingdom of God. You'll be disappointed with politicians and politics, but you'll never be disappointed with the kingdom of God. Praise God. In that kingdom, there's power. Somebody said amen. In that kingdom, there is healing. Somebody say amen. In that kingdom, there is salvation. Somebody say amen. In that kingdom, there is redemption. Hallelujah. You thankful that God saved you, sanctified you, pulled you out of your situation and ushered you into the kingdom of God. Nicodemus said, I want in it. And Jesus said, except you're born of the water and of the spirit, you can't get in it. But if you're born of the water and of the spirit, there is an entrance into a kingdom of God. Amen. And so there is Jesus testifying about the kingdom and the inbreaking of the kingdom. It's coming into the world. And Jesus was the principal identity of that kingdom. He was not just another teacher. He was not just someone that was a good guy. He was God manifested in the flesh. Amen. John said in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. John's going all the way back to Genesis when God creates the heaven and the earth. And John's saying the word was with God in that creative purpose and process. But then John said in verse number 18, and the word became flesh and dwelt among us and we beheld his glory. Praise God. The breaking in of the kingdom was done by the king of the kingdom and his name was Jesus and he was God manifested in the flesh. Praise God. Hallelujah. The opposition said we have our father Abraham. He's our father and Jesus said before Abraham was I am. Jesus was the king of the kingdom stepping into the world. Hallelujah. Praise God. Amen. And as you can imagine, as you can imagine, there was opposition. Somebody nudge your neighbor and say there was opposition. There was a battle that was going to take place. There was, there was a fight that was going to take place. Jesus was facing opposition. Now, this is very, very important because in the Old Testament, under the law, the battles and the conflicts were physical. There was a lot of bloodshed. 
Hallelujah. There was a lot of fighting and there was a lot of difficulty. The Old Testament is, is a bloody place. And, and so this kingdom that's going to break in is going to be a kingdom that's not fought with swords and bloodshed and, and any of that. It's a new kingdom and it's a new covenant. And there is a king that's coming to the earth to establish it. It's going to be done in a way that's going to be amazing. And there was opposition. That, that rose up and said we, we want the same structure we want the same patterns we don't want to move out of our comfort zone we want to stay right where I am but Jesus came to say it's time to turn the corner it's time to fulfill some things praise God it's, it's time to move into a new realm and a new season and a new kingdom and so he comes to establish that order and there is a fight and a struggle praise God but I want to preach to you here today there are some battles that you cannot avoid there are some conflicts that you have to fight your way through I'm not talking about physical fighting but I'm talking about a spiritual battle and if you avoid that fight there's still going to be consequences in your life you got to step up and say I'm going to fight the good fight of faith I'm going to see God see me through these things that I'm struggling with I know opposition is coming but I know a God that is able to give me victory Jesus fight was not a physical fight it was a fight John calls it a fight of unbelief and so Jesus wasn't about physically fighting, but he was about pressing his way into and seeing the kingdom of God in a way in which there was going to be opposition and difficulty and there was going to be a struggle. And so Jesus viewed this, especially in John, as a fight of unbelief. And so the realm of unbelief is in opposition to anything that Jesus is trying to do in his ministry. And so here in the synagogue where he comes to teach, there's opposition. And what he's facing is not necessarily people, although people were carrying the opposition. But what he was fighting is something that under was underlying their physical presence. And it was the realm of unbelief. It was the idea and notion that, that fought against the message. And so John talks about light and darkness. There's... There's these opposing realities. Jesus comes and he said, I am the light of the world. And yet there is darkness that tries to, to conquer and tries to control. Amen. I want to walk in the light here today. I don't want to walk in the darkness. Praise God. People like to live in the darkness because they try to hide their deeds. But when Jesus comes on the scene, there is a light that removes all of the darkness. These are conflicting realities. There is above and beneath. So this kingdom that is coming is from above and it's coming into the world below and it's beneath. And so there is, those are opposing realities and there's conflict there. When you start living for God, it's going to be opposed to another opposing reality, which is unbelief. Praise God. I want to walk according to heaven, not according to earth. I'm in the world, but I'm not of the world because I've experienced 
towards something greater than what is in this world. If all you've got is this world, you would be miserable. Praise God. I said, if all of you've got is what is in this world, it's absolutely miserable. What is in this world? You say, well, if I had a little more money, I'd be more happy with the world. But people that have money are not happy. People that don't have money are not happy. People that have money are not happy. It's not about money, and, and, and that doesn't make you happy. Our world is full of all kinds of confusion, and people people trying to find purpose. I just talked to somebody from this church, no longer in this church, but is operating as a, a, a psychologist to 18 to 25-year-olds. And the number one thing that she is facing on a daily basis is suicide. I don't like where I am, what I'm going through. Can I preach to you today that there is one that is greater than the world that you're in and the problems that you're facing? Those are real battles and real struggles because the world that we live in is dysfunctional but there is a God that is greater than any of the dysfunction praise God he's the comforter he's the strength he's the anointed one that can help you in your situation praise God come on somebody help me here this morning testify it's not over because there is one that is able to carry you through your difficulties Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. I know you may feel low sometimes, but there's a God that can bring strength to you. Hallelujah. Opposition, opposing reality. Truth versus a lie. What you're going to get, Jesus said, from those that opposed him in the realm of unbelief is a lie. It's an illusion. The world will sell you a lie and paint it to look so very, very good. And there is pleasure in sin for a season. But at the end of that trajectory and that path, there is destruction and there is sin and there is wickedness and there are difficulties. But if you can walk in the truth... Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. If you can get into the truth, you can find purpose and destiny. You're not going to find it in an illusion and a lie. But if you can get in Jesus, you're finding the truth that is able to set you free. So Jesus and his opposition... In order for truth to be revealed, there is a struggle that ensues. Not the Old Testament physical struggle of bloodshed, but a spiritual battle. 2 Timothy chapter 4 and verse 7. Paul said, I have fought a good fight. I have finished my course. I have kept the faith. I have fought a good fight. It's going to be a fight. This spiritual walk with God doesn't happen naturally. Naturally, carnality happens. If you don't do anything, you're just going to end up carnal. But being spiritual means there's, there's going to be a struggle and there's going to be a battle. And Paul said, it is a good fight. I have finished my course. First Timothy chapter 6 and verse number 12. Fight the good fight of faith. Lay hold on eternal life. Whereunto thou art also called and has professed a good profession before many witnesses. You are called 
to fight the good fight of faith. Nobody said it's going to be easy. It's going to be a struggle. It's going to be some difficulties. It's going to be a fight, but it is a worthy fight, and it is a calling, and it is a pursuit of righteousness, not my own righteousness, for it is as filthy rags, but I am fighting for righteousness in my life. There's going to be opposition that comes, but it is a fight that is worth fighting for. Praise God. Every once in a while, somebody will say, you know, I'm just tired. I'm tired of fighting. Listen, you're going to fight the good fight of faith or you're going to fight the battle on the outside of faith and it's going to be just as terrible and difficult and the results are going to be much, much different. On the, the side of the good fight of faith, fighting the good fight of faith. There's a lot of good things that can happen. But on the side of unbelief, fighting that fight of faith is a downward trajectory full of dysfunction and failure. The devil will pile drive you to the very lowest common denominator. That's not a fight I want to be involved in. But if Jesus is walking with me, I want to fight the good fight of faith and pursue righteousness. Praise God, it's going to be a struggle. It's going to be a difficulty. 2 Corinthians chapter 10 and verse 3 says it this way. We walk in the flesh. We do not war after the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God. To the pulling down of strongholds, casting down imaginations, and every high thing that exalteth itself against the knowledge of God. And bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. This, this fight that we're talking about, it's not a carnal fight. It is pulling down of strongholds, spiritual strongholds that can set up camp and build walls and castles and fortresses that nobody can bust through. And because of hurts and bitterness and pain, they are strongholds that will build themselves in a person's life. This fight has to do with casting down imaginations and everything that exalts itself against God. It has to do with bringing into captivity thoughts things that are negative thoughts this fight has to do with saying no I'm not going to allow those thoughts to come into my mind I'm going to take them captive I'm in a good fight of faith I will not be driven and subjected to negativity and doubt and depression and bitterness that will destroy my life praise God anybody hearing what I'm preaching here in the house of God today I'm talking about real stuff this good fight brings it into captivity and throws it down and says you will not build a kingdom in my life because Jesus is the king and the kingdom in my life is for him. Praise God. If Jesus doesn't struggle through that adversity, there is no sacrifice. Praise God, it's a fight, but if he doesn't fight that battle, there is no sacrifice. If he doesn't fight that battle, there is no cross. The battles 
I avoid it. If Jesus avoids the fight, there's no sacrifice. And if there's no sacrifice, there's no cross. And if there's no cross, there's no blood that was shed. And if there's no blood that was shed, there's no tomb that they put him in. And if there's no tomb, then there's no resurrection that he comes up out of. And if there's no resurrection, there's no Holy Ghost that comes on the day of Pentecost. But because Jesus said, I'm going to fight that battle. I'm I'm going to step into that struggle. It's not going to be easy. It's going to be difficult. It's going to be a cataclysmic, world-shattering battle, but I'm going to conquer it. Hallelujah. Come on, clap your hands and thank God that he fought and he won that struggle and he won that battle and he conquered death, hell, and the grave. Praise God. There's an opportunity cost for not doing something. Maybe you've heard about that. That's an economic term, opportunity cost. That means that when you're forced with a decision, you can make a decision. And if you don't make the decision, there's an opportunity cost that happens if you don't make the decision. Now, you have to figure out, do I need to go ahead and make this decision? And you also have to consider if I don't do this, then the opportunity cost It's going to be at play. I was just down at Brother Booker's anniversary in Rialto, several anniversaries and a note-burning service, sitting across the table from Brother Calhoun that brought a church in Texarkana. It was in a nice building, but this was a nicer building. It was during COVID, and so the real estate values and everything kind of came down when he started looking at this piece of property. He thought there's man, this is going to stretch us. I'd have to sell the building. How's this all going to work? And so he considered all of that, and God worked in a great way. And they were able to sell the building and buy this new building. And so he's so very, very excited. And he told me, he said, now, right now, if I try to purchase this piece of property right now, I would not be able to do it because now the real estate values have come up so much that it would have been an impossibility. So there was an opportunity cost associated with his decision. If he doesn't purchase the property, it's the right timing and God works everything out. If he doesn't do it, then the opportunity cost was and would have been, you wouldn't be able to afford where you're right now. But because you trusted God and God worked it all out, you went ahead and you made the decision. And because you made the decision, you're in a good place because of God's goodness, there is an opportunity cost to not fighting some battles. Amen. There's some battles that you cannot avoid. Praise God. There's an opportunity cost there. You got to push your way through and say, I'm going to fight the good fight of faith. And I'm going to trust God that not taking action would be worse then taking action. And so I'm not going to stay here where I am, but I'm going to move forward in God because I know that there is something associated with not doing anything. I know that that, that, that's, that makes some people fearful. That makes some people troubled because they recognize, well, if I do something, there are ramifications to that. And how's that going to impact this person, that situation, and this, and this, and this? 
Listen to me. If you don't do anything, there's still going to be problems and difficulties and opportunity costs associated to doing nothing. It would be better to step out and say, I'm going to step out into the unknown because I know when I get on the other side of this, I'm going to be better. God's going to help me through this struggle and this difficulty. I'm going to experience healing that I'm not experiencing because God's going to walk with me. Praise God. Listen to this quote because this is really the inspiration along with a lot of other things for this message here this morning. It's by a Portuguese poet by the name of Fernando Pessoa. He said, I bear the wounds of all the battles I avoided. I bear the wounds of all the battles I avoided. There's an opportunity cost with doing nothing. See, the things that have occurred in your life and the difficulties that have occurred in your life. And in the case here of Jesus and his opposition, if he bears the physical external marks, Calvary, the cross, Thomas said, I won't believe until I see the marks in your body. But those external marks represents the battle that he fought that had he not fought that battle. Ladies and gentlemen, do you realize you and I wouldn't be sitting on church pews here today because we would still be dead in our sins and trespasses. But Jesus looked at the opposition and he said, I'm not going to let that happen. I'm going to, it was difficult. It was, it was wrought with blood, sweat, and tears. He prayed and said, nevertheless, not my will, but thine be done. His body was beaten. He was crucified on a cross. His blood was shed. But because of what he accomplished, you've got an opportunity to lift up your hands in the sanctuary and say I don't need the blood of a bull or a goat or a turtle dove because there was one supreme sacrifice he was without sin without blemish and his name was Jesus and he went to Calvary once and for all and because of that sacrifice every sin is able to be cleansed hallelujah and covered it's because he was willing to fight the fight and he didn't come up short. He didn't come up short. Praise God. I'm thankful for that. Praise God. I said, I'm thankful for that. He didn't come up short, but he accomplished what he said he was going to do. Praise God. I bear the wounds of all the battles I avoided. I'm not talking about individuals that just, they want to fight about everything. I'm talking about a spiritual, I'm talking about a spiritual battle. I'm not talking about carnal. I'm not talking about people that just rise up because they enjoy confrontation. I'm talking about spiritual confrontation. Everybody understand what I'm talking about? I'm talking about spiritual things here in the house of God. I'm talking about things that happen in your life that happen to you. It becomes a, it becomes a spiritual, psychological, emotional thing. Praise God. Did you know that there are people in the world that are hurting? I want to preach and say that there is a God that is able to bring healing. 
Amen. That's a message that I am preaching today. We have a hope that maketh not ashamed. Jesus accomplished that struggle and that battle. Amen. The second uh, component and person was the man with the withered hand and his opposition. Jesus is looking at this on a sovereign, grand scale. The kingdom of God stepping into this world in Calvary that becomes an event that will, that will have eternal impacts on it. Praise God. And the representation of what he has done becomes the gospel message that we are still preaching. So he's looking at things from a very grand macro viewpoint. But this man that's in the synagogue, he is just there. And he has made his way to the synagogue as was his daily or his weekly duty. And Luke is the most detailed and said this man, it was his right hand, which helps us understand that living in a right-handed world, this man is facing difficulties and demons and struggles. How he, how he obtains a withered hand, we don't know that. It doesn't say that. It doesn't give us any background. We don't know if he was born with a withered hand. We don't know if he injured himself and had a withered hand. We don't know if somebody else injured him and he had a withered hand. Regardless, he is in the synagogue. He is there. And he's in a right-handed world, and he has a right-handed, withered problem. And so here he is. And so he represents a, a real physical thing, but he also represents a spiritual thing. He has his own battles to fight. Not only is he facing something that is physical, but no doubt there's internal emotional difficulties and problems because, as you know, people are cruel. They're very, very cruel. And growing up in our life, we experience this cruelty on the playground very, very fast. We recognize that not everybody's for us. There's some people that are against us. There's opposition. They don't like us. There's bullies. There's all kinds of stuff. And, and we recognize that life sometimes is not fair. Life sometimes is not fair. This man is physically struggling, but there's no doubt some internal scars in his life of the battles that he has to face and people he has to face. And then Jesus forces the man to stand up in the middle of everyone. So he's being called out. There's a lot going on here in this passage of Scripture. This is not obviously what he wants to do. He didn't come. Uh, to, to find himself the center of attention. He would rather have been, no doubt, on the fringes and, and staying to himself. And Jesus notices him and asks him to stand forth in the midst. No, nobody, nobody wants to stand in the midst of everybody else and have everybody else look at your flaws and your shortcomings and, and your failures. Can I get a witness here in the house of God here today? No, nobody wants to stand in the midst and, and be the brunt of everybody's criticism and jokes. And here this man, Jesus has asked him to stand up. And Jesus is making a, a, a supernatural, he's using this as a supernatural illustration about the kingdom of God to the opposition. And this man finds himself in the very middle of that. And so Jesus has him stand up and he's standing there, a tough position. And, and then Jesus addresses the opposition about the Sabbath and what is important. And Jesus heals this man with the withered hand to make a point about unbelief. 
What would be, and he, and he asked the man, stretch forth your hand. What would be the opportunity cost of not raising his hand? Num number one, the one, one thing that, that, that strikes out at me is Jesus never asks him which hand to raise. He just says, stretch forth your hand. The man, <laughs> he has a decision to make because you say, well, that may be stretching a little bit, but think about it. We always want to put forth our very best. We, we don't want to put forth our lives. That is the withered part of our life. We always put forth our very, very best when we meet individuals. There's introductions and there's conversations and acquaintances. We don't roll out right off the bat all of our failures. Matter of fact, we suppress a lot of our failures. We try to hide some of our circumstances and, and rightfully so. You, you probably shouldn't just when you meet somebody just roll out the laundry list of everything that you failed and, and all the things in your life that haven't measured up. But it's human nature to present the very best, to offer the very best, to kind of push everything to the background. Jesus said, stretch forth your hand. This man has the opportunity to make a decision of which hand he's going to stretch forth. And so he stretches forth the withered hand and Jesus heals the man and says the withered hand becomes whole like his other hand. Praise God. He didn't just do a small healing, but he made him completely whole. I want to preach for a moment right here and tell you that Jesus can heal the withered parts of your life that you don't think anybody wants to look at, talk about, see you try to hide it. I want to tell you that Jesus can heal you to the place where you feel like you're whole again. Praise God. Healing in your life to where Jesus. Praise God. I've pastored long enough to know that some people that look very well put together have parts of their life that are very withered. there's some battles that they avoid because they're worried about the ramifications of bringing exposure to the withered parts of life. Can I tell you as a pastor that you will never reach healing unless you are willing Fight the battle. Yeah, but pastor, what about the fallout? That would be talking about the battles that you're avoiding. And that would be ignoring the opportunity cost of the scars that you're carrying. Praise God. Say, so, well, I'm just worried about... I'm worried about <laughs> I'm worried about the fallout. Did you know some of these things happen years and years and years and years? Way down the road. 
Some things are so pressed, suppressed and some things are so buried. And you go through life and you, you, you try to put a band-aid on it. You, you try to patch it up and you try to. Life has a way of kind of smoothing out some of the rough edges, but man, there are moments and times in life, holidays sometimes causes it. Special days, birthdays, things, and all of a sudden it crops back up. And, and, you're, and you're on that, you're on that train. That train that's heading somewhere, it's heading to not a good end. It's just rolling down the tracks, but it's heading toward destruction because at some point in your life, you're going to come to that moment and there's going to be no way to avoid it. And, and so you try to do everything that you, you can do. And, and sometimes we're guilty as the church because we just say, you just need a good outpouring of the Holy Ghost. That, that, that moment and that time and that service and that powerful move of God gives you the strength to keep pushing the ball forward, but it doesn't solve the real root problem. So sometimes we act like the Holy Ghost is just is going to take care of it. It's just going to disappear. It's not going to disappear. It's not going to go anywhere. And the Holy Ghost was never designed for that. That was never the design of the Holy Ghost. The Holy Ghost is to help you get through the issues and difficulties and fight the battles that you should not be avoiding. That's what the Holy Ghost empowers you to do. Praise God. I thought I'd have more of a response there because you know why? It's because everybody's waiting for God just to do the miraculous and miracle and strip stuff out of our life and go back and take care of stuff. It's not going to happen until you fight the battle and you face the difficulties and you square your shoulders and say, I don't know where this is all going to end up. It's going to be real messy, but I know the Holy Ghost is going to help me through this. The Holy Ghost is going to empower me and I'm going to reach healing that I'm looking for. Praise God as we stand together. It's a sad state of affairs. When the people of God have so many coping mechanisms to try to suppress and bury some of the things that we have not, unresolved issues that we have not dealt with. Praise God. So I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm going on record here today to tell you as your pastor that I stand with you 100%. Praise God. I'll, I'll, I'll walk with you. I'll pray with you. <laughs> yeah, but pastor, you don't understand. I've been married for years, have kids, grandkids. Yeah, but you've also got unresolved issues that you haven't worked on and resolved that go all the way back to a childhood somewhere. And it's there's still wounds. They're the wounds of the battles that you haven't fought. There's fractures. Praise God. There's not true healing there. At some point, you've got to open your spirit and you've got, to, you've got to get that stuff out because that stuff will sit there. That's the root of bitterness that will spring up. It just sits there slowly over the course of time. It just eats and eats and eats and eats. So all of a sudden, you have to come to the conclusion of recognizing that the battles that I've avoided are still producing the wounds of not fighting. Praise God. This is, I understand this is deep stuff here in the house of God today, but sometimes life is not so tidy and neat and there's not a bow on the top. 
What is withered in your life? If there's no battle fought, what wounds will you still bear? Praise God. I remember having a discussion with my doctor 2010, going and having surgery to take out a tumor that was under my right arm. Found out that it was cancerous and and had surgery and went back later to have a checkup appointment. And that was pretty brutal. Wasn't expecting that. lost some sensitivity. There were some nerves. He told me, he said, we're going to have to go in there. We're going to have to try to get that out of there. And he said, that's not easy because there's lymphatic tissue and nerves and it's all connected. And so I, I can't, I can't really tell you what the outcome is going to be, but I can tell you, you need to get that out of there. And so there was a surgery. And, and in fact, I did, I, I lost some, some, there's some nerve damage there. But he said, that necrosis that's sitting in there, it's just, it's rotting and the skin is decaying and it's eating itself. And if, if, if you don't get that out of your system and out of your body, it's eventually going to destroy you. There's nothing that you can do. There's no, there's no, there's no reason to deny it. There's, there's no reason to try to suppress it. You need to get in there and get that out. Jesus is the surgeon that sometimes goes into our lives, things that have happened in our lives, and he surgically removes the necrosis that's causing us to live with the scars of not fighting the battles that we need to fight. Praise God. I, I'm, I'm pleading with you this morning. I'm asking that you would help me. I, I'm, I've delivered my heart here today in the house of God. I'm asking you to help me because there's some people on the precipice of making a decision on whether or not I fight this battle or whether I live with the opportunity cost of the scars and the damage. Either way, either way, you're going to lose on both ends of the spectrum. But instead of losing to the negative, I'd rather lose in the hands of Jesus and say, God, you got to bring complete healing and salvation and redemption to me. Praise God. As they prepare to sing in the house of God here today, amen, I want you to lift up your hands all over the sanctuary here today. What, what is withered in your life? Praise God. Stretch forth your hand here in the house of God today. Recognize that there is a God that's able to bring healing and salvation and strength to you. As a matter of fact, there may be some, some in this place here today that would like to walk out from the pew that you're sitting in and lift your hands and say, God, I want you to completely, totally heal and bring restoration to me. Situations and circumstances that I've, I've maybe I've avoided. I've avoided because I, I haven't wanted conflict. I'm afraid of a father. It'd be better to fight the battle and come out on the other side with complete healing. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Hallelujah. Help me.
in the house of God here today for a few moments, church. Come on, lift up your hands and lift up your voice. Lord, I'm praying here in the house of God today. I may not even know the person or the situation or the circumstance, but I'm praying that you're a God that does the miraculous, that you still work in signs, miracles, and wonders. And so we're preaching.